Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Kalen DeBoer is going to be the next coach at the University of Alabama, succeeding Nick Saban, 17 years, six national championships, and I can't think of anybody better to bring on to talk about all of it. Then Kyron Samuels, former all-conference offensive lineman at Jacksonville State, um, senior consultant and uh, staff writer at Defiant Takes for their football division. He is on X at Kyron Samuels. Kai, what's happening, man? How are you? I'm excited to get back to it, man. It's it's crazy to think about. It's been 17 years since we've had anybody else other than Nick Saban at the helm at the University of Alabama. So it's kind of crazy to think about introducing a, a new person into that fold. Uh, but I think, man, if we're talking about the hire itself, it's pretty interesting that not a lot of people are going to know who this guy is nationwide, even though he just played in the national championship game. But, man, I don't think you could find a better guy to step into the role of the football side of things. Right, and it's just it's it's wild because we've been wanting to have this conversation for a while. I think Alabama fans have been hesitant to have that conversation because they don't want to think about life without saving, but it happened very quickly. But of all the names that have come up in, like, what, the past five years when Saban's getting older, he's 72 now when he retires, like we've talked about Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian, Dan Lanning's come up, and it ultimately is a guy that that seemingly was off the board a couple of years ago, a guy that wouldn't have even been considered for the job. But honestly – I mean, when we look at what he's been able to accomplish, uh, whether it be NIA head coaching, NAIA head coaching, or Division One coaching, 104 and 12, 12 and 2 versus the AP top 25 since he's been in the FBS. He's 7 and 0 against Dan Lanning, Steve Sarkeesian, and Lincoln Riley. Uh, Kalen DeBoer seems like he is destined for success. Now, let me ask you this. When it, when it comes down to him hiring a staff, what should he focus on? Because I think this is the guy, you know, Dan Lanning was at the top of my board. And, and the reason I, I, I had him at the top of my board and the, and the reason I thought that he, he would ultimately uh, be the successor of Nick Saban is because he is, he is young, he's got a bunch of energy, and he is um, very adaptable to the new age of college football, especially in the recruiting realm. Kalen DeBoer, it sort of seems like he's going to have to go out and find some ace recruiters to put on his staff. Yeah, there's no question about that, especially like, you know, just hitting on Dan a little bit. Uh, you know, he's been in the SEC atmosphere before, right? He's he's GA for Nick Saban at University of Alabama in 2015. He then went on to coach uh, with Kirby Smart and be the defensive coordinator at the University of Georgia. So he's been in the area. He would have been an easy transition in that aspect as far as recruiting. So um, definitely you have to take that into consideration when you're talking about DeBoer here. He's going to have to assemble a staff here. Uh, but from what I've been told, 
the priority is keeping as much of the defensive staff as they can. So uh, I, I'd imagine guys like Travis Robinson <laughs> yep. are going to be huge on the board and keeping that team, and just not, not only the, the defense, but the team itself intact and keeping some familiarity there and being able to go out on recruit. He's a hellacious recruiter. And he's a guy that can continue to, to bring in the same guys um, in, in terms of the, the standard of caliber of athlete. The money isn't going to go anywhere, right? We, we know that Alabama's never going to be devoid of resources, but you're not going to get the saving tax anymore. You're going to have to recruit that much harder because you do have the people like Steve Sarkeesian with ultimate money in, in Texas and now Dan Lanning at Oregon with unlimited Nike resources. And then you got Kirby and UGA and those guys. And there's just a, a little bit more competition for those elite guys than there has been in the past. So I do think it's important to assemble a staff or retain the staff that is familiar with the ground that can keep you in the in the fight. Because as long as Alabama's in the fight, there's a chance for them to pull those top guys out. So you're very close to, uh, you know, um, sort of that Alabama program. Your uncle went there. Um, what were you hearing sort of about how this all this all played out? We know Greg Byrne, as soon as uh, the AD for Alabama, of course, Greg Byrne, um, as soon as uh, Nick Saban retired, he said he wanted to get a higher done in 72 hours. He accomplished that goal. But Dan Lanning, Mike Norvell, Steve Sarkeesian, there were some guys on the board. Was Kalen DeBoer their first choice? You know what? I cannot confirm nor deny if he was their first choice. I just I know for sure that there was a, a reach out to Dan Lanning and Steve Sarkeesian. I know that for sure. Those two guys were, uh, you know, inquired about, and you know how that situation ended up turning out. Everybody used the Alabama job as leverage, of course, to get you know a bigger contract. And we all know. I mean, I don't, you know, actually, we all don't know. Jimmy Sexton is the master, right here, right here in my backyard. Yes, <laughs> everybody is, is is you know represented by Jimmy Sexton here. So Jimmy had a plan here all along, but um, I think they ended up landing on the right guy. And you know, the more I sit here and think about it, the more. Um, you know, I really get into it. I think that Kalen DeBoer is the guy. If you just know anything about him, if you do a little bit of homework about him, he's just, he's not an emotional guy. I think people like a, a Dan Lanning or, um, you know, even, you know, people talking about maybe a Glenn Schumann, who's the guy that I'm really high on, right. UGA, uh, DC. Those guys are, are a little bit more uh, rah rah guys and not in a bad way. I think I love both of those guys as coaches, but Kalen DeBoer is just a leader. He's a guy right. that's stoic, shows no emotion, gets the job done. And I think. When you're talking about a transition from the greatest coach of all time, um, you're going to need a guy like that that's not going to let the outside noise affect him. That's not going to be worried about stuff that he's not supposed to be worried about. He's always going to keep the main thing the main thing. And I think when you're moving forward from a guy like Nick Saban, that has to be at the front of the job, being able to focus on the football side of things. I think that the recruiting stuff is going to work itself out. Um, they're going to assemble a staff, and I think he's going to. I think he realizes he's going to have to recruit more than he's ever recruited before, harder than he's ever recruited before. Uh, but at the end of the day, games are won or lost in those meeting rooms and, and on the field. And I think that the fact that he is so locked in and he's so keen on that is going to carry him a long way of at least keeping the ship afloat. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, I said this yesterday when I talked about Kalen DeBoer and his name started being sort of the leader in the clubhouse. I think at betonline.ag, he was the favorite as of yesterday. And, of course, he ends up getting the job. But I did say he's the most Saban-esque. And, and what I mean by that is Saban, you know, even looking at how he retired, he never really wanted the spotlight, but based on the winning, based on the success he always had, it feels like Kalen DeBoer sort of fits that mold where he's kind of quiet behind the scenes, definitely coaches his guys hard, but at the same time, he's not a guy who tends to ask for the spotlight. Yeah, 100% agree with that. And, and you know, that's something he's going to have to adjust to. I mean, <laughs> there's arguably no bigger spotlight in college football than the Alabama head coach. 
Um, but he's going to have to adjust to that a little bit, and I don't think he's going to have a problem with that because at the end of the day, like I just said, he understands what's important. He understands that's just a part of the job now. He's going to have to, you know, adapt to that a little bit. But at the end of the day, it's going to be all about football for that guy, and that's what I'm excited about because that's what you need. You need guys that are going to uh, focus on development, and that's because that's what recruits want ultimately, right? They want to go somewhere. They want they're going to get paid. The money's never going to be an issue at Alabama. And two, that they're going to get developed and have a chance to play at the next level, which is the NFL. And he's going to give you a chance to do that. You got to look at the the, the the crop of guys that Washington's going to put out this year. I mean, you got Michael Penick, Roma Dunze, Jalen Polk, um, Troy Fatuanu. Like, there's so many guys on both sides of the ball, Jabbar, Jabbar Muhammad, that are going to be high draft picks, not just guys that are get drafted late round. They're going to be first, second, third round draft picks. And, um, I think that's going to go a long way in showing these guys at Alabama already currently that he can develop them and get them to the next level. Now, how much do you think Nick Saban had a role in sort of the Kalen DeBoer hire? We've heard some sort of rumors and some things speculated upon um, since the hire's been made that this was sort of the guy that, that Nick Saban would want to take over. How much do you think he played a role in this hire ultimately being made? Uh, I, from what I've been told, he played a pretty significant role. Obviously, you know, Greg Byrne is the guy that he's, he's the AD as the label. He's going to be the one that they get the credit for the hire, but from what I was told, Nick Saban was heavily involved in this process, and that he's the guy um, that he, the Kalen that is, that Nick really, really liked and really, really thought was a person that could build a program and sustain a program. So um, Nick Saban gives him the stamp of approval. If it's good enough for Nick, it's good enough for me. <laughs> yeah, and what's the what's his role going forward? Like, what do you think his ultimate role? at the University of Alabama should be. It looks like he may have an office in Bryant Denny Stadium, the whole thing, maybe an advisor of some sort. It looks like he wants to get into media. But what's it what's his role behind the scenes at Alabama now that he is he is retired and Kalen DeBoer's taken over? You know, I would imagine it's, it's somewhat not GM like, but GM like. I, I think that he's gonna be a guy that is going to help raise a ton of money. Nick Saban is going to be his name's gonna ring true forever at the University of Alabama and across college football. So he's the guy that's going to be able to help raise money at, at an elite clip. You talk about, uh, you know, having to compete with NIL now. And uh, he just uh, sold all those business, uh, excuse me, acquired all of those uh, car dealerships. And he's going to be a billionaire soon. Like, right. he's, that's the type of guy you want around. And then from a football standpoint, he's always going to be there to lend his expertise in terms of, um, you know, just re- recruiting, in my opinion, just finding the type of players that fit Alabama. He's still going to be an ear that you can, you know, lean on. Uh, when you talk about Kalen DeBoer, hey, is this guy the right guy? Is that guy the right guy? I think Saban's always going to be there for that. So raising money and just being the, uh, the voice of reason. If you need somebody to lean on, I think that's the guy you're going to go to. He's going to be around, and he's already, from what I've been told, he's made it clear to the players that he's going to be around, and that's kind of helped them out a little bit in terms of you know sticking it out. Guys like Malachi Moore, um, yep. Ty Campbell, Deontay Lawson. Uh, some of those guys have already, you know, been galvanized by Nick Saban saying we're going to be the ones that keep everybody together. And I think that's important because you can't replace Nick Saban, but no one needs to stay in the background. is still extremely important for the program. Talking with Kyron Samuels at Kyron Samuels on X from Defiant Takes from the football edition, also former Jacksonville State All-Conference offensive lineman. Um, now with Saban, um, it, it, it was always going to be surprising when he retired because he just feels like a lifetime ball coach. But, I mean, you do have to – uh, take into account that he is 72 years old and he is mortal as much as we think he's immortal in the face of college football over all these years. Um, but were you surprised when he decided to to call it quits after 17 years at Bama? You know, I was I was caught off guard a little bit. Uh, but I figured this was coming. You know, I wrote about it over the summer um, that I figured that he had a great opportunity to, to bow out on top. 
You know, we 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 see the the stars and like the greatest of all times. Normally, we see them overstay their welcome or or stay past their prime to the point where you don't recognize them. Like I use Muhammad Ali as an example. He fought mm-hmm. past his prime. Uh, Mike Tyson fought past his prime. We got Wizards <laughs> Wizards Jordan. So uh, we got even Tom Brady last year, even though he was still playing very well individually. He went through a beating. You know, he got beat up on the field. They had an eight and nine season in the regular season. Lost first round of the playoffs. We normally see the goats stay around too long, and I kind of wondered that about Nick Saban. My hope was that he retired either this season or next season, and I was expecting him to come back for one more, especially with the collection of talent that Alabama has right now. Currently, I thought he would come back and do one more. So I was a little bit surprised he didn't do that one more, but I was expecting it within the next two seasons. So I had already made my peace with it, and I know it caught most of the world off guard, and especially the Alabama fan base. It's like. You would have thought somebody died. It, right, the state feels somber. Right, like they went, they started putting stuff on the. And, and here's the thing, uh, Kai. It wasn't just thing. Alabama. It was, it was the, it right. was the world of college football. It was, it was a, it was actually a very emotional day for everybody. Even if you're not an Alabama fan, SEC fan, like I think everybody's very emotional about about Nick Saban moving on. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, like you said, he's the greatest of all time. He's such an institution. Whether you loved him or hated him. He was there. He was ever-present. He's the guy that – he was kind of like the godfather of college football. You either love Nick Saban because you're a fan of him or you love him because you wanted the chance to beat him. Like, there was nothing more important than beating Nick Saban in the sport, even to this day. I mean, somebody played a clip <laughs> – shared a clip on uh, Twitter today um, about Florida and LSU playing last year, and they announced that Tennessee beat Alabama when they beat him on that uh, last-second field goal in that crazy game. Right. And the entire swamp goes crazy – <laughs> lights up. That's because of Nick Saban. That's because of the dominance that he's instilled in the program and that what Alabama's been doing for the last almost 20 seasons. So um, Nick Saban is, like you said, he's the biggest presence in college football. So it's going to be an adjustment without him. Now with the hiring of Kalen DeBoer, I, I do have questions about Jalen Milrow. What does it look like? I thought he looked really well down the stretch of this season. He, he played really well down the stretch of this season. And, uh, you know, I, I think there's a future for him, whether it's at Alabama or elsewhere. Uh, what, what do you expect to, to see from him in a Kalen DeBoer-type system? I think there's some people that talk about it not being the perfect fit um, uh, as far as what he did with Michael Penix Jr. at Washington. But also, you do have to remember, while he was uh, next to Michael Penix Jr. all those years at Indiana and then ultimately at Washington um, – Michael Penix Jr. went through a transition as a quarterback to to become what he was this year as far as his accuracy downfield and airing it out the way they did to all three of those receivers, Jalen McMillan, Jalen Polk, and Roma Dunsey. Um, what, what do you think the future looks like for Jalen Milrow if he stays at Alabama and works with Kalen DeBoer? I think the future's pretty bright for him. I think the funny thing about Milrow is Throwing the ball down the field is not one of his weak suits at all. It's actually what he's best at. Right. Alabama had one of the best deep ball percentages this year. He had the second most. Um, he's had the second highest explosive play rate uh, behind Jaden Daniels and the second highest uh, vertical passing rate outside of Jaden Daniels. So uh, by the numbers, he was the second best deep ball passer in college football last season. So the the thing to him was taking the underneath stuff and taking and getting some quick game call for him because they didn't call a lot of quick stuff for him to get the ball out the receivers on the perimeter and stuff crossing, like some crosses over the middle of the field. So I think that with uh, Ryan Grubb, uh, Kalen DeBoer-type offense, I think that is actually the match made in heaven because it's going to force him to make those throws. It's going to force him um, to grow up in those areas and kind of develop into a well-rounded, all-around passer. So uh, the vertical thing is not a problem. He's going to be able to throw the ball down the field. He throws one of the best D-balls in the country. I think marrying him with a guy like Kalen DeBoer and Ryan Grubb, 
potentially a Ryan Grove. We don't know about that yet. But if he's able to to come to Alabama and be the OC, I think that's a match made in heaven. And if you paid attention to Washington through the home stretch of the season against Oregon um, in, in the Pac-12 championship and then both playoff games, they used Michael Penix a lot in the quarterback run game. Yep. They started to incorporate a lot of this stuff in some of the power run game with the quarterback, and it was very effective. So if you could do that with Mike Penix, you can only imagine what you could do uh, with the guy like Jalen Nuro and those Alabama offensive linemen after they're you know coached up. And we don't know who the O-line coach is going to be. Yeah, there's still a lot of stuff up in there on the offensive side of things. But um, you would imagine in that system, whoever the offensive line coach is, the system is so fluid, it's going to marry properly, and I think that that's going to be a big deal for Jalen Milrow, getting to have some easy layup looks as opposed to what he was doing last year. Does this hire sort of mean the end for Tommy Reese after one year as the offensive coordinator? I thought he did a fine job, but he was a little bit too late at times to adjust, um, I think, game to game this year. Um, and it took him a while to really understand how to use Jalen Milrow. We know about the first few games of the season, the loss to Texas, and then ultimately uh, Jalen Milrow not playing, being benched for South Florida before going on that stretch run. Uh, but does this mean the end for Tommy Reese, or is there still a chance he can he can be the OC there? No, I think this marks the end for Tommy Reese. I'm not going to stamp that 100% because I'm not making that decision. I do not know. But of course. Um, for what I've been told, I think this is the end for Tommy Reese here. And I don't think this is like, uh, you know, career suicide for him at all. I think he had to have, he had to take this job. You have to come work for Nick Saban. You have to uh, take that opportunity. And I think, like you said, for the most part, he did a great job. I, I won't even say a good job, a great job. You have to understand what he's tasked with. Living up to the greatest of all time, that's incredibly hard to do. And in this first season, he helped build Jalen Milrow up, up until what he was, and he helped lead Alabama to uh, an SEC championship against one of the best defenses, in my opinion, probably the best defense in the country or second-best defense, Georgia or Michigan, however you want to slice it. Uh, he led Alabama to an SEC championship win over Georgia, and he called a perfect game. I, I really yeah. love the game plan he had for that game. You know, the Rose Bowl didn't go how we wanted it to go and all that good stuff, but I'm not going to judge him off of that one performance. He had 14 games as the offensive coordinator, and for the most part, I would say for nine, ten of those games, especially the last seven, the offense looked tremendous, and Jalen Milrow was uh, almost the Heisman finalist for He finished sixth in Heisman in voting. Um, you know, Alabama had Jason McClellan and Roy Dale Williams. They had, I think they had four or five backs. Excuse me, I think they had four backs over 300, 400 yards rushing, and three over 500. And those are the type of things that you like to see from an offense. So I think overall Tommy Reese did a, a good job, and he's going to be able to get an opportunity somewhere else and really grow. So even though it might not be at Alabama, I think we all got to give Tommy Reese a little bit of, of slack there. I know right. he's the easy punching bag, and he deserves his fair share of blame, but I think Tommy Reese is going to grow from this, and it's going to be one of the moments he looks back on his coach career that he was most grateful for. Um, Kalen DeBoer, once this uh, once this hire is officially made or, or announced by Alabama, there's going to be a 30-day transfer portal window that opens up. So guys will have 30 days to go uh, hop in, see what see what is out there for them, that type of thing. Um, when it comes to uh, Kalen DeBoer and what he needs to do as far as roster retention is concerned, I think three names come to mind at the top. Caleb Downs, phenomenal freshman in that defensive backfield. Um, then you have Caden Proctor, who was the left tackle, who had tough times. Uh, he, he, was, he had some rough games this year, but he also was a true freshman. So you have to take that into account. And I think Justice Haynes, uh, the really young running back that, that uh, Nick Saban brought in, I think those are the top three that I would uh, – think Kalen DeBoer is going to you know, invest a lot of time in, but is there anybody else um, that, that he needs to make sure he keeps on that roster going forward? I think it's the older guys like Malachi Moore. 
uh, even though he's been vocal about staying here, you have to keep those guys, the glue guys. You have to make sure those guys that know the culture, that even Kalen himself is trying to learn. <laughs> those guys have been here for, for four years and been through through the ringer. So keeping guys like that, the Robbie Boots, the guys that have been here for a while, make sure those guys are the ones that, not, that are not going to go anywhere. Um, you know, they, they just lost Isaiah Bonds to the portal. And from what I was told, that that was a possibility, even if Coach Saban came back, that the University of Texas really, really, really liked him and had put together a crazy NIL package for him right. to kind of take over that Xavier Worthy role. So losing him, as tough as that is, because he was one of my favorite guys on that team. Um, but that was expected. So uh, I wouldn't read too much into that one. We'll start seeing how that unfolds here, the portal and stuff, in, in, in a little while here. But uh, I think keeping those older guys together that have influence over the younger guys is, is paramount because when you keep those guys that know the culture, that can get through to the younger guys, and, um, you know, the money takes care of itself. You know, the money is the money. We know what, what the sport is in, in 2024. Um, the NIL matters. We have, to, we have to acknowledge that. There's no way around that. But I think the culture guys are the most important. So keeping those Malachi Moores, the Robbie Oos, the, the Deontay Lawson's, the Jihad Campbell's, those type of guys, uh, and the Tim Keenan, who's a, the defensive tackle, right. unsung to the public, but he's a major part of that program, keeping those guys and making those guys happy first and then getting those guys to relay the message and keep everybody is it, going to be paramount here. Now, last thing for Kyron Samuels, at Kyron Samuels on X, when it comes to Washington, um, I think there's some thoughts about Ryan Grubb taking over the OC um for Kalen DeBoer last year, and I think that makes a lot of sense. He seems to be the leader in the clubhouse. But when it comes to that Washington job now with Kalen DeBoer stepping to uh, Alabama, it's it, it feels like a, a, a pseudo-rebuild. You're losing QB1, RB1, as Dylan Johnson declares for the NFL draft today. You have all your wide receivers gone, Jalen Polk, Jalen McMillan, and uh, Roma Dunsey. Uh, both your tight ends are going to be gone, and Westover, of course, is the guy that, that everybody pays attention to. And then uh, uh, Troy Faltanu, their left tackle, uh, will likely be a high, a high draft pick in this upcoming NFL draft. It is going to be a tough, uh, tough job to go rebuild and remake that offense that was at the top of college football this past season. Oh, absolutely. So whoever takes over that job um, has the work cut out for them. But there's a guy who makes perfect sense in my mind, and that's Arizona head coach Jed Fish. Hundred uh, percent. You know, the Arizona job is a great job, but uh, and this is this is the crazy part about the way college football works today. Uh, people will say, "Well, why would he leave Arizona? They're they're loaded. They have a lot of guys coming back." Well, if he leaves and he goes to well, – this is all hypothetical here. There's, right. We don't know if he's going to get the job. But if he were to leave to go to Washington, the transfer portal opens for 30 days for his team at Arizona. So he could seemingly take whoever he wanted and yeah. take him from Arizona. Noah Fafita, come on down. Oh, man, come on, man. It, it going to the Big Ten, and uh, I think uh, they have a, a good bit of their defense coming back. But um, it'll be a tough rebuild, quote-unquote. But we've seen a guy – uh, and Jed Fish do that rapidly at Arizona. Uh, they went from uh, a one-win team two years ago to, I believe, they won 10 games this season and, and beat uh, Oklahoma in the Alamo Bowl. So they've shown he's shown that he could turn a program around. That would be a guy that I would look for. And reports have also come out that Cliff Kingsbury is in the running for um, the Washington <laughs> I saw that, too. I mean, how, yeah. I mean, based on what uh, the Texas Tech job looked like, his job at the Car- with, with the Arizona Cardinals, which was good for at least a half second, what would you think about that hire as compared to a guy like Ryan Grubb or Jed Fish? Ryan Grubb already uh, knows the culture, has been there for a couple of years, has done a good job. And then Jed Fish, of course, has been uh, tremendously successful uh, there toward the West Coast. 
So, like, what would you think about Cliff Kingsbury if he ultimately got hired? It would be a strange hire. I wouldn't understand it from a head coach perspective. If you're bringing him in to be an offensive coordinator, to call plays, to develop quarterbacks, to uh, get your offense running, that makes 100% sense to me. He's really good at that, and there's no question about that. But we've seen him run two programs, one at the collegiate level, one at the National Football League. Neither one were overly successful. I mean, he's pretty much been average as a head coach, as average as you could be. Um, so I wouldn't get it from a head coach perspective, but we know what he is good at. So if he were to come to Washington or let's say he he left, you know, Lincoln Riley and, and he gets the head coaching job, I don't understand what they would have seen to let him have that, especially from a recruiting standpoint. It would be one thing if he was a great play caller and a great recruiter. I could understand that. Hey, we can roll the ball with this guy. We can give him a chance. Um, but you know what? There's a lot of people smarter than me out there that, that pay a lot of money to these people, and maybe they see something I don't. But uh, good for Cliff, man. You know, I call him first team off key match. He's stolen all right. the <laughs> For sure. I'm happy for him. For I'm sure. happy for him, man. That's what it's all about. Yeah, no question. Well, Kyron, I appreciate it, man. Great stuff, as always. We'll do it again soon. No problem, bro. See you. Thank you. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.